0: How are you, Mr. Weaver? I'm doing fine. How are you, son? Excited? Well, of course I am. It's an exciting day, I can't lie. How important is winning to you?
1: Winning is the only thing that matters to me.
2: And welcome to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. Welcome back to our third Sitting of our podcast. We've got Keeney and Hod here. Welcome boys. It's a catchy tune. I quite like it.
0: G'day boys. Good to be here. Different time slot. Usually it's in the morning with a full cream coffee, but got a couple of brewski's here. It's Ooh. live.
2: Yeah, we just we we learn to adjust. That's how things roll in this COVID-related world. Uh so welcome to the Empire Dynasty League unnamed corporate sponsor podcast we're still heavily backed by our unnamed corporate sponsor but they are currently still tied up in their legal battle uh, so for this point we we still are just rolling with the uh, ucp is that what it would be ucp that's what we're going with uh but they're still uh providing the cash that keeps us going so we're happy to have them on board uh we're going to break down the the infamous boo Callahan division today he's a he's a sly character the old bo Callahan he, he gets mm. given playbooks with 100 dollar notes in the back he doesn't bother reading it doesn't bother telling them that he didn't read it and then doubles down on a lie
1: and it's a, just a it's a fitting division member a uh, di- fitting division name I reckon with these four division members cuz I don't reckon many would rock up to their 21st birthday party either
2: well yeah, no, there were many birthday parties where I didn't uh, I sent out some invites, didn't have many of my friends turn up, so it's kind of fitting that I have fallen into the Bo Callahan division just by chance. Also, yeah, many times I've doubled down on lies as well. So I guess Scoot probably comes to mind actually when I, I think of someone who would probably not bother reading a playbook and then when questioned on it would come up with an excuse as to why he didn't read it. Mm. I thought
0: you were describing Scoot then.
2: For sure. <laughs> um all right, but, you know, we've started every other podcast this way, so why would it be any different for this time around? And that's the Guess the Song Challenge about, uh, you got to guess which uh, league member this song relates to. So here we go. Free, free what do you reckon, Hod?
0: Well, I know it's free balling, but I, I just hear low balling, which would be referencing uh, Jake the Snake's extortionist tactics towards Jim, not only before the draft, but doubling down during the draft, you sick individual. <laughs>
2: That's not bad. I like it. Keeney, what are your thoughts?
1: I reckon it has to be about the the sensible haircuts and Steve Mann. I reckon just uh, he's acquired Marlon Mack during the week, but gee whiz. Hasn't their stock hasn't his stocks just been free fallen after some of those juicy images of big JT circulating this Twitter sphere I'm excited again Hod
2: I like yeah. it I like it and his, uh, his Darius guy stocks a bit free fallen too at the moment. so that is a double banger. but you know what yeah, I like your guesses they're pretty good but uh, you, you're both wrong. The song was uh, in fact about me. And how my boy Lamar just free fell into my lap. Of course, (laughs) it was fantastic.
0: We always get back to the 7 Eleven. I
1: don't think you could possibly always bring this back to uh, your squad, Benny, because me and and Hod were actually speaking during the week and we've actually found the perfect pump up song for your squad.
2: What's this? (laughs) Okay, I see where you're going with that one. Yeah. Is that
0: because he looks like a wiggle?
2: <laughs> I have been called Jeff a few times uh, in my life, but bit of youth, bit of youth on my squad. They're very, mm. very good. All right, let's move on into move into the news in the NFL. Uh, we are. At just covering all bases here we're such a big time podcast so COVID's obviously the thing on everyone's mind and lips these days uh no one really notable opted in I know um sorry opted out of the season I should say I know that was something that was a big scare for everyone so really Keeny, you're probably the only bloke who got affected by the old season opt out there so bad luck on that one mate uh but I think everyone else kind of got away. There was a lot of offensive tackles, a lot of defensive players that opted out. So nothing fantasy-wise really other than Damian Williams that uh, affected any teams there. So probably the biggest news when it comes to COVID at the moment are the players that have come off the COVID reserve list. So Matthew Stafford's come off. James Washington for Papa. I know he's concerned about his status there. Gardner Minshew came off. The the moustache just uh, fought it off uh, with style, and Keyshawn Vaughan, finally back off the COVID list. There, just On
1: Gardner Minshew. Apparently, he actually came out in the press and said, uh, "The virus took one look at me and ran the other way." You just gotta, you, you
0: gotta love the big shoe. What a guy! Well, you, met, you mentioned COVID on the lips before, Ben. I'm not sure what lips it's getting on in Minshew's mo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh goodness, there is a bit I of all uh, things going On in Minshew. He's a fantastic specimen and I think Matt's going to love every second of him riding the pine all year. Um, (laughs) Actually, yeah, sorry. There is one player who has opted out since our last one and it's a big name. One of the biggest. Uh, If I had a song teed up, it would be, say, Geronimo. Uh, Sorry, Jim. Geronimo Allison. See you later. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know he was on the lines. That's how much attention I'm paying to Geronimo Allison at the moment. So,
1: Kenny, Kenny Goliday's stock is just
2: on strike.
1: After big Geronimo's yeah, out. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, dearie me. Uh, in other news, actually, the biggest probably news of the week, Darius Geis. We touched on it at the start with uh, the sensible haircuts, but he must be feeling it at the minute just with his... Uh, Release and some pretty big ramifications on the other end of it, with some league members owning the other part of the Redskins, or can we call them that anymore? Backfield. There no, no, we go. Um, so guys like Antonio Gibson, uh, Matty Mack, just having him, and for those smart people out there, put some money on him for offensive rookie of the year. We'll move on. Uh, Bryce loves another one. Uh, love another bit of Bryce bubbles. Fun. I think. I think someone in this room has got. Young Bryce, someone certainly he does, and also JD McKissick, hot off the press. Big Jake spending, spending up all the fab gone on JD why, McKissick.
0: Why wouldn't you spend up on this glorious backfield? I might add.
1: <laughs> A good point. Some other movement while we're while we're uh, talking about it, just some some trades, I suppose, or some signings. Lamar Miller to the Pats. Ben's doing a little chip. Some here. serious
2: movement going on over here when you say that news. <laughs>
1: I mean, he's already got Nick Chubb, but well, we may have another one there. Uh, and a stand-up desk. Jordan Reed uh, signing with the Niners as well this week. I've just I've gone the the tight end handcuff to George Kittle. Maybe the first person ever to do that. So um, we know he just probably gets knocked out listening to this podcast. So. That's right. We'll see see how he goes at the Niners. Smart operation.
2: Good luck with your tight end handcuff. Only bloke in history I know of who's ever done it. So well done there, sir. Uh, There was, you know, NFL news is one thing, but the EDL news I think is what everyone tunes in for here. So there has been a a big trade uh, that's gone down since our last pod. And I tell you what, I left the last podcast and thought, well, I've got to give us something to talk about here. And uh, why not pull off a trade with another league member in, in Jake the Snake? So, Jake and I have uh, pulled off a trade there where it sees me walking away with Jalen Hurts and Matt's 2021 first round pick that Jake was holding. And Jake receives Derek Carr and my 2022 third round pick.
1: Mm-hmm. And a divisional trade as well, which is spicy. Uh, it's interesting interesting trade there. It's, uh, so just a bit of a talking point amongst us three. Just the thoughts on Derek Carr going the 13th round of the startup um, draft that we had, obviously, and just him getting a first-round future rookie pick in return for him. Hod, what do you think about that, just straight off the bat?
0: Well, the thing that gets my eye is that's Matt's Future first. Now it could be tasty. I'm just looking back up our pod prep, and Matt is in the loser for a couple of uh, of us is he? years. Is he? That could
2: be uh,
0: a very valuable addition to Ben's squad, which will be looking to peak in about five years' time from 2022.
2: Mate, I'm gonna draft someone who is still currently enjoying the Wiggles. That's uh, that's my aim. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, I, I think it's a trade that works for both teams. Uh, Jake clearly needed to just shore up his quarterbacks, which we're going to go down the path of when we, when we break down his team. And, and I had a few quarterbacks up my sleeve. And obviously with the build of my list, um, I'll sort of go into that in a bit more detail, I think, when we break down my team too. So I'm pretty happy with how it went down and clearly Jake's pretty happy with it too so
0: well you, you mentioned Jake would be happy but would he I saw some uh, some things floating around in the group today the group chat and saying that Derek Carr might be demoted by week four so wouldn't that throw a bit of a spatter in the works for his week seven by conundrum
2: <laughs> he would imagine you go through all that effort to shore up your quarterback and that happens be no good alright let's uh, let's break down the, the infamous Bo Callahan division. He's, he's an interesting character, Bo Callaghan, um, highly touted, not very popular with his friends or teammates and a bit of a shady character when questioned by officials. So the first person that's fitting of a division fitting. such as this yeah. would be the general manager of the wow. Bayside executioners in Scooter who's got a starting lineup that looks of uh, Matthew Stafford as his quarterback. He's got Dalvin Cook and James Conner as his running backs. His wide receivers are Devante Adams, Kenny Goloday, Alan Robinson, the second, I believe. Tight end in Jaden, Hayden, sorry, even, Hayden Hurst. Uh, his flex is David Montgomery and Devante Parker, and his super flex is Teddy B, the Bridgewater. Yeah, Some mentions on his bench. We've got Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins just to name a couple there so I guess for okay. the the new members of this league or the people that haven't uh, been part of our redraft league just to give you a bit of background on old Scooter as a, a bit of Scoot hubris as I like to call it um, and I start to think that there, there could be a bit of hubris when it comes to Scoot himself he's clearly quite happy with how he goes about and how he operates. Um, we'll always rock up to drafts with at least three bottles of red in him before he even picks up a player. Um, and you know what? I think it might have been because when he rocked up and when he joined our league, he had a pretty nice run, a pretty nice team. He, he was methodical in how he drafted and it worked for him. He's 2-0 and in the playoffs, walked away with a league title in 2016. I won't tell you who he beat because it's not that important. Uh, won it all. But I reckon that uh, he peaked too early, in my opinion. I think it went to his head a little bit there. Because since then, he's gone 0-2 in the playoffs. And if you do the maths there, 2016 was when he was 2-0. and He's only gone 0-2, which means that he hasn't even made playoffs in a couple mm. of years since then. So in the last two years, he's been seventh in scoring in the two-minute drillers. He came into this dynasty draft potting league members left and right. However... Played it so safe that he only ventured out of his lane once, swapping a 10th and 11th round pick with Papa, his co-cowboy. So my question to you is, uh, did winning a title in Scoot's first year go to his head a little bit, boys? What do you think? Um, yeah, the,
1: the only... I have a vivid memory of Scoot, and that was the second year, our first ever auction, I think it was. Uh, Michael Thomas's name was thrown out first. And Scoot just yelled out 20 bucks, and got him, which ended up being a good buy. But then we never heard from him again for the rest of the night. He drank three bottles of red without a peep. He had Michael Thomas and I don't
2: know where he went. That was it for Scoot. He,
0: he peaked after his first ever draft pick and he peaked after his first title.
2: Yep. I think so, that's, a, that's a good call. I, mean, he, I, I still remember that night at his place and he was so happy with himself. He went in on draft night. He was the first to nominate because he won the previous year. He executed that plan to Michael Thomas perfectly. Everyone was scared off and I think he was so proud of himself. He went and celebrated in the corner by himself with three bottles of red. <laughs> he went and forgot to draft the rest of his team. The amount of silence after
1: he put the bid in, everyone's looking at each other like... Shell-shocked. Well, I'm you know? glad you remembered
0: it, Ben, because I don't remember one minute oh, yeah. of being in that household.
2: Well, that was, yeah, not, not the same as last year's draft. Oh, I don't remember much of that. Um, anyway, Keeney, uh, what are your initial thoughts on Scoot's team?
1: Well, clearly a pretty strong squad. Um, no doubt he's gone pretty strong with um, running back and wide receiver early. So taking those positions in the first seven, um, then he's addressed the rest of his squad after that. So I think we can all agree, kind of that he's gonna be pretty strong this year and um, he's gonna be one of the, the better teams in his division. Although it is a pretty strong division looking at it without revealing too much of what we're gonna talk about. Um, but yeah, I think solid overall and we'll go into his, his strengths and weaknesses now. What do you reckon?
0: It sure is a strong division. Um, won't be a lot of negative things said. I wouldn't have thought in the next, well, 25 minutes, we stroll down to a certain someone's team at the bottom of this. We'll but uh, you can argue um, Scoot got great value with every starting position. If we look at Cook as the running back six off the board, um, Adams is the wide receiver two, which is nothing new, but 15 overall I think is pretty good value. Uh, Goliday at the wide receiver eleven. Robinson at wide receiver 14, Monty at RB21, Connor at RB23, Parker at wide receiver 35. So you could argue every one of them is great value. And it's almost as if he had a draft assistant with him for the whole draft. Now, having known Scoot for as long as I have and seen the sort of operation he runs at Vale Street St Kilda, I am only aware of questionable civilians at best entering that household. So I'm a little bemused as to who could have or would have been assisting him to draft such a strong team.
2: Ooh, shots fired. Accusations being thrown around. Uh, look, I'll, I'll launch into his strengths. I think I look at Scoot's team and arguably I think he has the most balanced, one of the most balanced teams in the league for this season. Um but I, I really like the stabs that he's taken at tight end. So after the top tight end's taken off the board, Scoot waited until about the 12th round, I think it was, to take Hayden Hurst, uh, who has a gaping hole of targets in Atlanta from, the, uh, from Hooper leaving their side there. So Hooper had 97 targets last year, which is actually only one less target than Mark Andrews had on the year. Uh, they brought in Hayden Hurst, who was buried in depth, depth chart in Baltimore, and appears they appear to have been given him the keys in that offence to Hooper's role because there's no one else really there that I see or think that could challenge for that starting tight end role there. So Scoot then followed up this, I think, value pick at tight end with getting Chris Herndon in the 16th, uh, who everyone doesn't dispute the talent that that bloke has. Um, he's just got to get his health and other things right to get on the field and be consistent. But I think it's an absolute... Uh, steal potentially at the 16th if it pans out. And then he's just gone and shorted it up with Jack Doyle in the 18th round who you just – he'll always get you at least solid scoring Jack Doyle throughout a season. He might not be a sexy pick. He might not be an exciting pick, but at least he's there just to cover that tight end spot for him. So I really like what he did there. Keeney?
1: Yeah, I won't add a whole lot more to that. I just think um, the, his biggest strength is he's a massive contender this year. Um, along with a few others we've mentioned in in previous podcasts and a couple more we will in this one as well. I just think um, he's going to be right there um, towards the pointy end. And just just adding as well, I think his first four picks, you could argue, could all be in the you know top 10 of, of that position. Dalvin Cook easily could be a top five runner this year. Adams, we know. Kenny Galladay could be in there. He was last year. And Alan Robinson, I'm pretty high on. Um Especially if Foles wins the job. I know you think Trubisky will start, but I think his value increases if Foles can win that job.
0: Yeah, and I agreed with Hurst. Uh, great value at where he got him. Um, but we have to be careful saying value for Cook. Um, we obviously know the, the contract situation, and he had reported to camp. Um, so he saved himself a bit of coin there. But we, we don't know for certain that he will play out the year. But I mean, the strength is Scooter did secure Madison in the 10th. Um, So he's got that backfield locked up. But um, smart drafting led to not only a strong starting squad, but a very deep 25. And um, I love his wide receivers. It runs seven deep with uh, weekly options throughout. Getting to the weaknesses, if there are any to pick, to be honest, but uh, Scoot took a risk at running back with Cook, which led to drafting the handcuff. So um, could have gone elsewhere if he hadn't gone that route, but there's also injury risk with Connor as well. So, looking beyond the three starting running backs, his only insurance are handcuffs uh, behind them that have limited upside, unless something were to happen to Cook and Zeke.
2: It's a good point you make with Cook there because I guess we've seen both ends of the spectrum over the last few years with this. We've seen uh, the Zeke holdout, which, you know, there was a bit of risk going into the draft last year with that situation, and it happened. To be an absolute steal for anyone who drafted him because they got him at an absolute discount and played the whole season out and was very solid. And then you got the other end of the spectrum where Lev Bell was in the same situation. Uh, people were a bit hesitant, didn't know what to make of that, and he sat out the entire season. So we've kind of got both examples played out there. So I think you know it could be it could be awesome or it could you know uh, he could struggle with that.
1: And, and we know Scoot's been involved in this sort of thing before. He he went with Melvin Gordon last year, um, but again took Eckler in behind him. So he's not afraid to to you know bring this strategy to the table and and take the best player available, and then hopefully as it kind of draft the backfield as a package rather than an individual player.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. I forgot about uh, Melvin Gordon last year as well. And yeah, so he's done that by getting Madison. I think that he's got no qualms then because he's got Cook who eventually when he signs uh, and agrees to a contract is going to be an absolute beast. And probably the best case scenario for um, Scoot here would be that Cook goes to another team, Madison becomes the starter at Vikings and he gets two starting running backs and he'd be absolutely loving life if that happened. But I'm going to point out a weakness, And I guess everyone knows by now what I'm going to point out as the weakness. And that's clearly running. No, it's not. It's QBs and QB depth. I seem to say the same thing every bloody week. But I, uh, I liked the value or I like the pick of Stafford at the 803. So while Stafford was probably perceived by many people in the league as a bit of a risky pick, and I think that's maybe why he fell to the eighth. Uh, last season was actually the only season since 2010 that he hasn't played all 16 games. So he's actually been pretty reliable there and maybe a bit of recency bias in our mind when it comes to drafting Stafford. Uh, He also, in just the four games that he played last year, was the fifth best player when it came to average scoring per week. So he absolutely was off to a flyer last year before he got hurt. So hopefully uh, he can repeat that level of scoring for Scooter here. So then he's gone and grabbed Teddy Bridgewater. I know this is a weakness and it sounds like I'm pumping up um, Stafford here, but I'm looking at his depth here at QB. Uh, Bridgewater in the ninth round uh, is his second QB, and I think that's where his team starts to fall a bit short because yes, Bridgewater's got the keys to that offense. Um, it's a three year contract that he's been given, but will he produce? Uh, if you look at his scoring last year, it was a bit like a yo yo. He'd pull out a 20 one week and then he'd pull out a nine the following week. So he seems to me like he can be kind of game scripted out depending on how his team's going. And that's Teddy Bridgewater in a Sean Payton offense, who is pretty solid. Now, the argument, I suppose, would be that, yes, he was the backup and he was really just trying to manage the team and get them a a win before Breeze came back. So, in the four weeks, I believe it was, that he took over there. So, I guess the real question there is, will he produce?
1: Well, my argument against that would be that I think Carolina's defense is going to stink and they've got some great weapons around him. So I just think... I I like Teddy this year. He's going to be pretty valuable. Nice um, offensive coordinator. Um, They're an interesting watch, Carolina, just because their D is going to suck. And and like anyone in their offense, I think, can explode.
2: Yep. And I think... Absolutely right. Anyone in that offense could explode and Teddy could be awesome, but I think there is a bit of unknown still there. Like, do we know that is he a high producing fantasy quarterback week in, week out? That's yet to be seen. And then if that doesn't pan out, he's got Trubisky waiting in the wings and everyone knows the situation there. Could he be? Could he not be? We don't really know yet. So I would be far more happy looking at Scoot's list. Well, Hod, Hod seems to think otherwise, but... And Jake, I don't know what Jake's opinion is as a Chicago fan on uh, Trubisky. I don't think he's in love with him. Um, But, yeah, I I think if he had a more solid third quarterback option, then then Bridgewater, you'd absolutely love going into the season. There's just a little bit of risk attached there.
0: And it's uh, interesting about Teddy Bridgewater there, Keeney, because I know you're very high on Bridgewater and so high that we could have our first on air wager for the season. Uh, I believe you think he will outscore my boy Cam Newton this year. Uh, mm. Would we'll, we'll be willing to wager on that, my friend. Cool. Well,
1: I do. I think Teddy will. I think Teddy will be good this year, and I think he'll. I think he'll outscore Cam. Um, what about what if we get real serious and wager our first round draft picks in? Oh wait, you don't have that, do you? <laughs>
0: oh. ha- happy to wager next year's. Happy to wager it. Have you got one That'll that? be
1: gone in, in two weeks, mate. Week two, you'll you'll need to get rid of that as well.
0: <laughs> oh, well, forget about draft picks. Let's go the real stuff. Let's our first shout at the piss up whenever we Ooh. get out of the bloody ISO. Mm. I like that. I'm so, hoping that occurs at some point.
2: Yeah, so 2022, uh, one of you will be buying yeah. a beer for the other person. We'll be thirsty. That's we'll be Thirteen dollar. Thirteen dollar <laughs>
1: Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get us back on track I'll keep going with some of his weaknesses Now obviously it's a pretty deep roster But um, if we're going to look at it from a glass half empty viewpoint To pick apart his roster I'm going to agree with Hod here And I think running backs is the biggest weakness in this squad Now Dalvin Cook is his first one Yes it did fall to him at pick 10 I think it was But um, we know how good he can be but he's got a few things going against him for mine, and that's obviously the holdout situation. But was last year more of the outlier with him just in terms of his injuries? He, he has recently struggled to stay on the, on the park. Um, we know he did his ACL in his rookie year. Um, his hamstring in his second year. I think he's out for five or six games. Um, and last year, he even missed a couple towards the end, which people kind of forget that he missed a few games there and Madison um, took over and was good. Um, so he's played 28 games in three years. So um, if he can stay on the park, yes. Um, but I'm not so sure that that he does. Um, David Montgomery's the other one as he's RB2. He um, wasn't a big pass catcher in college, not a big pass catcher in his first rookie year. And they've still got Tariq Cohen that they're going to use there. I just think um, he needs to be that genuine workhorse back that gets a heap of carries. Um, and this team is projected to win eight games and maybe they win six. So he may be game-scripted out of it. One other point I'll say about David Montgomery, it's interesting that Jake, a Chicago Bears homer, picked Leonard Fournette ahead of him, the pick before. Mm. So does that give you a bit of an insight into someone who actually follows the team was willing to let him go and take someone else instead?
0: Well, I mean, Tim also took Ev Smith Jr. in a pretty high round. (laughs) We don't know we don't know what the, the home pick.
2: I, I no, that pick's all homer. right. It might have been a, <laughs> it might have been a round or two earlier than I was expecting for Irv Smith, but I don't mind that pick.
1: So my point is if you are a homer, you definitely take him there. He passed on that his own player.
0: Yeah, and I'll just I'll just point out I think you said Monty is his R B two there. I think Monty's his R B three behind Connor.
2: Montgomery before Connor. Well, depends how he sets his lineup, I suppose.
0: <laughs> well, the lineup right now of what I'm looking at on the sleeper app has Monty in his big flexi JTs.
2: Oh, we're going to have to uh, inquire about his depth chart down at the old Bayside Executioners there. He'd have no idea.
0: His head's in a bottle of wine as we speak. <laughs> All right. So next we have OJ Simpson's legal team, Jake the Snake. So we'll start with his QB. Benny Rothlessberger, big strong running backs in Zeke and Leonard Fournette. DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Calvin Ridley. Love that wide receiver core. Uh, tight end is Don Young with Noah Fant. Flexes with Tyler Lockett and Todd Gurley. And Drew Lock as he super flexed to round him out. Now, He's drafted a pretty deep team here, so there's a few Honourable Bench mentions in James White, Jordan Howard, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, Anthony Miller, and O.J. Howard's on there, but I'm not sure why. But but, uh, let me introduce Jake. Won't this man just fit into this league deliciously? Delicious. Fair A pretty loose operator, and... uh, Rates himself as a huge chance to not only take out this year's title, but the next six he has informed me. So look out there. (laughs) He's a brilliant auctioneer for the TMD League, our other redraft league, and a very notable 13th man. And speaking of the 13th man, he is constantly trying to sabotage his way into the TMD League so that he can actually participate in the league rather than just auctioning it. And uh, there's strong rumours circling that Jake is behind this fierce Presti hate by the Keen (laughs) dog pushing for his exit. So let me do some further digging around this. Stay tuned. Uh, And the last point on Jake, he's he's coming in hot, but maybe too hot because he's the new trade exploiter who it's fair to say has been put on notice. And that's, uh, just before we go to the strengths, um, I've sort of done a little team build with ages uh, for everyone, but I thought I'd just mention uh, the elder statesman squad of Jake's. He's got the fourth oldest starters and the third oldest total squad of the league. Mm. Keeney. Very, very interesting. Um, we'll go into
1: some of Jake's strengths here. Um, I just Every time I look at this this squad, you, you try and pick some holes in it, but you keep coming back to the fact that it's just really, really deep um, and he's got a heap of assets, so he can be flexible. He's got coverage basically at most positions. Um, if he does have that injury, bad luck or anything like that. He had 10 picks in his first eight rounds, which I don't think anyone else had that kind of depth. Um so and he was able to, you know, not compromise at any round. He had a pick in every round, and then obviously doubled up in a couple of rounds as well. So um I'd say his greatest strength was he had that plan to move, move draft picks from from the future into the startup draft, and he executed it really well. And then just took some, and was able to take some players that that he saw as value that fell to him. So he was flexible in that in that case as well.
2: Yep, no spot on with him. I don't know about you guys, but. Uh... When this league all started up and we finally got the 12 guys involved and we set a draft date, I kind of sat back and went, all right, I've got a bit of time to, to sort of get my head around work and then I'll get my head into fantasy and get ready for that dynasty draft. And then all of a sudden, a bloody sleeper alert pops up on my phone and Jagger's pulled off a trade. Mere weeks, I think one week or maybe two weeks into the actual league being formed and I thought, Jesus Christ, what the hell is going on? i got to get my head into this or else I'm just going to be uh, left behind unless uh, I, I really think about this league. So he really set the tone, I think, and and I've got his strength as trading because he started, started off this league with a trade. He had that one pre-draft trade, which set him up very nicely. He clearly went all in because he got rid of his first round future pick uh, to get an extra sort of pick in the startup draft. He then, during the draft, had six trades and he has had one Post draft trade with yours truly. So he's clearly one of the most prolific traders in the league, and clearly someone who's happy to keep shaping his team. He's not happy with just what he got, and in the draft, he he's looking at it. He's clearly thinking about where his holes are and where he can uh, where his holes are. We uh, hey. and where <laughs> and how he can improve his team as he goes. So I think this mentality could. In terms of those teams that drafted for a win now season or going all in uh, to an extent for this current season I think this mentality of shaping and trading his team could be the thing that separates Jake from the pack when it comes to the pointy end of the season Uh, that's already seen him start to make moves and keep balancing out that list for a big push this year and potentially beyond
0: Speaking of shaping, geez, can he cut some shapes on the D floor, I've seen like the big fella, and gee, wow, he moves all right. Uh, Super strong team, um, super deep team as well. And uh, the strength that came to mind for me was, he's a strong relationship sort of operator, and Jim comes to mind.
2: (laughs) I don't want this to be uh, a podcast where we say nothing but praise for Jake. So when I look at his weaknesses, uh, it's that it's going to be the year... 2023 before he can make a first round selection in the rookie draft. So he might have to sell off some of that talent if he wants to sort of keep his team youthful. As you said, he wants to go for six straight titles. Uh, He might not be able to do that with the current stock that he's got. So maybe trading some of that out at the right time and cashing out at the right time might give him some of those rookie picks to give him a bit of youth in that list.
1: Now a couple of other weaknesses. Now we know that he Drafted very well. We had, we've had we been through the fact that he's had a lot of um, picks at the top end. His squad's really deep, all that sort of stuff. But for me, perhaps the one error he made was he did take his seventh wide receiver in Anthony Miller, a bit of a Chicago homer sort of set up there, maybe, um, instead of bolstering that QB position. And what's ended up happening, which we touched on at the start, is he's sold that future first-round pick, which we all agree could be nice and High up in the in the ranks there with Matty Max, squad the prestige worldwide. So he's used that to go and get a Derek Carr type of player. Which um, if probably if he had his time again, he may have just taken that extra QB depth instead of taking his seventh wide receiver. Um, I'd say his other weakness is tight end for me. Now there is some buzz about how good Noah Fant's going to be um, at the moment, and um, funnily enough, for uh, someone like me who who really liked all the analytic stuff, he's strong in that area. He's a high producer at college. He's a freak athlete and all that sort of stuff. But the facts are in his rookie year, he had 12 games under 50 yards. Um, And are we sure that Drew Locke is the answer at QB in Denver? I'm not so sure. Um, We'll have to wait and see. I think it's a small sample and I don't think we can be guaranteed of that fact. Um, 12 games last year with four or less targets. For Drew uh, for Noah Fan, which is an interesting stat. And 38% of his points, his total points, were in four, in two games last year. So he had two massive games, and the rest you could say were ooh, not start worthy. Um, OJ Howard's his, uh, his second tight end, and then Jeremy Sprinkle as his third. Sprinkle some s-
0: sus on that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, wow. Jim, you get up and about about some sprinkles. Yes, and I will sprinkle some dung on the QB position here because his top two options have the same bye week. Um, so grabbing Derek Carr softens the blow a little bit. But it was interesting during the draft because he doubled down on such a high-caliber handcuff in Mason Rudolph, which wouldn't have ha- helped him one bit in those bye weeks. And it just wouldn't <laughs> have helped him at all. Perhaps I got in watching the vision of the notorious helmet hit But uh, since then, he has dropped him and tried to grab him back. But he's swooped in. So do you see some value there in Mason Rudolph Keeney?
1: Well, yeah, I'm going for the Juju, Mace Mace.
0: Operation Juju. I, I will say it was a
1: curious case that he dropped him and then put in a $0 bid when he had $100
0: of fab. Left over. I'm not sure what the strategy was. There, there you go. That just shows the value that everyone's put in him.
2: I think because he needed that full $100 to drop on JD McKissick. He didn't want to give that because he knew that that move was coming up. So, uh, yeah, no, Mason Rudolph, interesting one. And, and I like your theory there, Keeney, because if only we had like almost a whole season to see what Juju and Mason Rudolph produced together in fantasy. Uh, I guess <laughs> the unknown is what you're going for there. Uh, what a stack. That's <laughs> a great stack
1: yeah it's a really good point I've got nothing left to add um, let's move on <laughs> after that let's move on to the sensible haircuts Steve Mann here we go the starting lineup of the sensible haircuts strong QB room we've got Russell Wilson there as his QB one Joe Burrow the number one overall pick at Cincinnati in his super flex his running backs we'll get into Matt Brader and On Johnson Side note, he did have the uh, Darius Geis running back there, but we've had to move him. Uh, Wide receivers, this is where it gets exciting. Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Cortland Sutton, John Brown and Deontay Johnson. They're the five receivers we've got in his starting lineup. And tight end Hunter Henry. Uh, Some notable bench guys, Marlon Mack, which is, as we said at the top, that value is decreasing by the minute with JT. Oh boy uh, Justin Jefferson uh, at the Vikings. Nice little rookie addition there. And Dallas Goode, the tight end at Philly, the number two tight end at Philly, but we like him anyway. Uh, okay, introduction of, of Steve here. Well, I think when we first wanted to get into the Dynasty League and um, we wanted some committed guys involved, no doubt Manny was one of the first guys that I had in mind that had to be included. Uh, he's going to provide plenty for this league on and off the field. To sum Steve up, he's the only person that I know on this earth that supports North Melbourne, and you think that's rare enough. He also supports the Vikings as well. That is a rare doublé if ever I've seen one. In previous fantasy leagues, he's shown that he is that real shin boner type setup operator, and he tends to draft those proven workhorse players. There's nothing flashy about those players. Just like his kangaroos. One thing we know about Steve though for certain is that he puts his money where his mouth is. In fact, he's probably off somewhere at the moment looking for some underground bookie to put some money on the sensible haircuts taking out the league in year one and maybe even molting them up with the kangaroos to make the eight, which he loves to put on every year.
2: Very good summary of Manny there, Kenny. I think you summed him up perfectly. That top eight pick, he loves it. Always has that little wager on, a little nib on that every year. Uh, overall impressions of his draft and his team build. Well, hasn't he truly lent into the zero RB drafting approach, uh, which has accrued him a nice bounty of wide receivers. So it'll be interesting to see how he shapes and balances his team out over the course of the season. Is he going to hang on to that? Is he going to trade a few out to balance out his RBs? I think with the latest news, he might be forced to do it sooner rather than later.
0: And strengths for Manny's squad. Uh, It's a good one. Uh, We'll start with QB. He's gone with a proven and promise approach with uh, the danger Russ and also Joe Burrow, which could have him in good shape for years to come. Uh, The wide receivers, we've obviously touched on, they are absolutely stacked up the top end. And I actually liked a couple of late wide receivers Manny took in Brown and Dee, So great value there.
2: Yep, and I'll just continue that as his strength. It's wide receiver, when you look at his list, has to be the obvious strength of his list. He's got a great balance of impact players and youth in Justin Jefferson, just sitting on the pine. Uh, He's clearly identified already, with that running backs was an area of need and he traded away uh, a rookie in Brian Edwards as well to fill that gap. But as Keeney keeps pointing out, uh, Marlon Mack might not be destined for a starting role for very long in Keeney's eyes.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, I will say for his strengths, um, without going over it too many times, zero RB was the strategy and zero RB was the strategy that he took very well and he executed it nicely. Um, why not take the best wide receiver in fantasy? So that's what he did um, to to pair with his zero running back strategy. I think he's got a really good mix here of youth, um, kind of proven guys that could, could go a bit higher and um, could get a bit better, but and then also some really good experienced guys as well. So I'll go through that quickly. At QB, he's got Wilson, who's obviously the stud, um, and then Rivers as well as a bit of you know solid support there. Dwayne Haskins, I think he's got some upside. And then the... Their rookie with Joe Burrow um, at wide receiver. Uh, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, that's an amazing first two. Um, And then you throw in like a Sutton who has some serious upside as well. Deontay Johnson in that mix. And then a rookie again with Justin Jefferson. So I like kind of what he's done there. He's kind of staggered um, each position in in tiers. And he's got that covered um, for those two positions. Before I go on to his weaknesses though, quick discussion. What did you guys think of Michael Thomas at pick four overall in the startup draft, Ben?
2: Yeah, look, I think uh, if you you look at a, a startup draft, and there's a lot of factors to take in there. But I mean, wide receiver is it's a pretty safe position to take. And if you had to pick the bloke with the safest floor of any player in the NFL, it kind of has to be Michael Thomas in a way. Uh, wide receivers have proven to sort of be in the league for many years. He has done nothing but just produce in fantasy ever since he's sort of come into the NFL. So I think he started with the absolute safest houses pick there in Michael Thomas and he's followed it up nicely with how he's built his list around that. Uh, not for mine.
0: Uh, four's a bit rich for me. Uh, if it was a full PPR league, I think it's in play, but half PPR. Uh, I wouldn't have gone that high. And I know he proved to be pretty safe last year with Breeze out of the lineup. but we can't ignore that um, situation with the quarterback, which will be changing, whether that's Jameis or someone else coming in. There's still that risk element, um, and we try not to lose the draft with our first picks. Um, So, uh, do you have anything to add, Ben?
2: Well, just out of interest, uh, I had pick five. In my mind, I looked at sort of rankings and, and predictions and things like that. Michael Thomas, commonly in most ADP dynasty rankings, was the fifth pick there. So he was sort of in play for me the whole time leading up to that uh, startup draft. But I personally was looking at potentially going for running back or quarterback, depending on what fell my way. So even if Michael Thomas was there, I personally probably wouldn't have gone him. Uh, but I was kind of torn on that decision because it is such a safe. Floor pick. But out of interest for you, Hod, you're saying it's a bit rich at four. What overall pick would you have considered uh, Michael Thomas for? Uh,
0: I, think, I think after the top running backs, but I've made that pretty clear of how I view the, the top running backs. You basically, well, I can speak of one or two up the very top, but you're basically getting a wide receiver and a running back in one position there. So uh, I know he's safe Uh, but I wouldn't have considered him until...
2: What running backs would you have taken ahead of Michael Thomas? Just quickly run through those. C-Mac,
0: Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, and Cook is the dicey one with the contract, but definitely if he Mm. didn't have it, definitely.
1: Interesting. Well, I will close it out. I'm fine with Michael Thomas at four. Um, That's not a homer comment. I'm just fine with it. I think he's as you said, safe. I think it's a, not a terrible strategy to um, to take a safer guy with that first pick in Dynasty. And I think the fact that we start three wide receivers as well um, should be mentioned. so he's, he's Everyone's going to have to start three. So he's locked up one of the best and then came back with Tyreek Hill. So I think he's in pretty good shape there. We'll go into his weaknesses. I think we're all going to have pretty similar answers here. Um, but obviously, if you're going to go 0RB, your running backs are going to struggle or they're not going to gr- look great on paper and you're going to need some luck um, in the short term. So instead of going too uh, too d- deep into all that sort of stuff, um, I'm going to instead go through a couple of decisions that he made, which I think are reasonably interesting talking points. The first one I'll say is he took Hunter Henry over, say, a TJ Hawkinson, and that's just more of a kind of a proven guy, but the QB situation versus a younger... Um, guy with huge draft capital, huge pedigree, huge kind of
0: production in college. So what do we think of that? Uh, I, I still think there's quite a gap between Henry. I think, I think tight ends, I'm not too invested in the Chargers offense this year um, due to the changes at quarterback, but I think tight ends are pretty safe position there to go with a proven guy over an up-and-comer. And I know the draft capital's there with Hawkinson, but other than week one last year, he absolutely stunk it up and there was a serious issue with drops. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the Hunter Henry pick there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously going to say TJ Hawkinson because that's who I took. Um, I, I think Hunter Henry still has injury concerns. He's a bloke who has struggled to play a full season. So yeah, we know the talent is there, but is the durability there? There's the unknown, obviously, with a new quarterback. I think with TJ Hawkinson, the reason why I sort of looked at him is that he was a proven receiving beast. He got lots of targets in college, as you pointed out, Keeney. Yes, he did start week one on fire and did nothing much else after that. But I kind of see it as well that tight ends, typically rookie tight ends in particular, take a long time to come on. Uh, That's pretty consistent when a rookie tight tight end comes in. They don't usually hit the ground running. So... I'm shooting for upside there um, over maybe the injury concern in Hunter Henry.
1: Uh, Yes, I remember week one, TJ Hawkinson explosion very well. I may have faced him in fantasy Uh, that week. That was always fun. One other one, just want to quickly go through. Deontay Johnson was his fifth wide receiver taken at the time. Instead of maybe a a QB there to um, solidify that, kind of area of his draft or maybe an AJ Dillon, Ronald Jones type running back as well. So what do we think of taking Deontay Johnson as his fifth wide receiver over those type of guys?
0: If you're going to go with this zero RB draft strategy, I think Ronald Jones is the perfect player to draft in that spot. So uh, I've made my intentions clear on Rojo and uh, what he could Achieved this year, so I definitely would have gone there. But I understand the Deontay Johnson hype, and I understand what strategy Manny has put in place here, and he's stuck to it.
2: Yeah, well, I, I still don't really get the Ronald Jones hype that you keep throwing up week in and week out in this podcast, Hod. Um, I'd, I'd almost say that uh, his first two years in the league have been underwhelming, uh, and that's sitting behind an underwhelming running back in Peyton Barber. So, I don't know. I think they went out, they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I kind of don't see other than him kind of carving out a receiving running back role similar to like a Duke Johnson, I don't really know why there is and it's not just you, there is a bit of love for Ronald Jones to break out this year. But to me he he's had two years and he hasn't really done an awful lot. So uh yeah, I'm kind of with you, Keeney, in that Deontay Johnson, all right, at what point are uh, enough wide receivers enough? Do you start to look at getting another sort of talent in running back or QB, as you said there, it was just before that QB run yeah. of about yeah, probably, seven yeah. QBs, I think. Went, yeah. so.
1: That was probably the point. A bunch of QBs went after that Deontay Johnson
0: pick. Mm. So, yep. Yeah. Um, we've gone a little bit off track here, but I'll round out the weaknesses. And just to go back to your um, point before about taking Thomas at four, uh, what I failed to um, touch on was... Manny's strategy and so if he has that strategy then I I think he's well and truly in play there Um, but if I'm coming in with a neutral strategy or my strategy I don't consider it but his uh, 0RB draft strategy has taken a huge hit uh, when his first drafted running back uh, Geist has been cut before the season has begun Um, but acquiring Mack in a trade recently has softened that blow a little Uh, but 0RB is an interesting strategy I know you're keen on it there Keeney I'm not so convinced Uh, I I think the first notable fantasy guru wrote about it in 2012 and it gained traction and then has just fallen away a fair bit so um, yeah if you want to add something on that.
1: What I will add is yes I like zero IB I like it more in redraft than in dynasty Mm. that's what I like.
2: Yeah not for me personally I think um, I, I kind of view running back and quarterback in a similar fashion that there is a bit of position scarcity. Um, they're sort of an elite top end and then it drops off and it purely just becomes a numbers game at that point. So I think if you are going to go 0 IRB, then to me there's kind of... You've got to get lucky with injuries and other things for 0 IRB to, to really hit. or well, you have to be pretty accurate in those sort of lower tier guys that you grab. Um, whereas to me, I kind of think that there's a bit more... Um, depth at wide receiver so if i had to sort of lean between one position over the other i think that i can get some later i have more confidence in getting later value wide receiver um talent than i do running back so that's just my take on it uh so we're about to go on to our next team but before we do we'll take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor we get it fantasy football is the pinnacle of your week, a bright light in an otherwise dreary existence. Stuck in stage four lockdowns? Don't worry, you've got your fantasy team. Follow the demons in AFL, it's okay. There's always NFL fantasy to look forward to. But are you sick of things getting in the way of your commitment to your fantasy franchise? Are your job and family holding you back from being the best you can be? We've got you sorted. Introducing the Couch Cummins Cardboard Cutouts, These life-size cardboard cutouts of you will mean you never need to spend a minute with your family or friends ever again. While the cutout has dinner with your family or attends the Zoom calls, you can focus on what's most important, setting your loan up. Cutouts come in a variety of 56 different poses to symbolise the 56 years since the demons last won the flag. Poses include the sleepy TV face, impatient dad, Or our famous, I understand, honey. Plus, if you order today, you can buy seven cutouts and get an eighth one for free. That's more than the number of hitouts Melbourne got for the whole game this week. So don't keep plodding through your life, pretending you are engaging with the world around you. Let Coach Cummins Cardboard Cutouts do it for you and you can keep your marriage, your job and your fantasy lineup all firing nicely. Coach Cummins, Cardboard Cutouts is a subsidiary of our unnamed corporate sponsor.
1: And moving on to our last member of the Bo Callahan division, Ooh, Here we go, the Park City Lions. Now, actually, is your team based out of Chicago,
2: Ben? I just, Why is that?
1: Because I think they're, they're, they're more like the Park City Cubs, if you get my drift. That's a Ooh. niche baseball gag for those playing at home. Yes, they are very, very young. Oh, boy. Let's go into the starting lineup. I think I just Off heard
2: our first tumbleweed on the podcast rolling on. <laughs> joke there. All
1: right, let's go into the team. Let's do it. Starting lineup, here we go. Lamar Jackson. Oh, yes. Any thoughts on Lamar, Ben, just <laughs> before we get into the rest of your team?
2: <laughs> oh, I'm, it's, uh, it's fitting that my next player is Chubb because that's exactly what I've got when you talk about yes. Lamar.
1: <laughs> Big Nick Chubb. Um, a massive Nick Chubb at running back. Um, with Sony Michelle as his second running back. Wide receivers, Amari Cooper. Jerry Judy, the rookie. Golden Tate as well. TJ Hawkinson, we just discussed at tight end for Ben. Jalen Rago and Brandon Ayuk. Another couple of rookies there in his flex position. And Baker Mayfield in his super flex. Solid QB options there. Some bench notables. Another rookie. Surprise, surprise. Justin Herbert, the QB at the Chargers of Los Angeles. Keyshawn Vaughan, the number one running back in Tampa Bay, just sitting on the pine there. That's very nice. Another little taxi addition. And Rashad Penny at Seattle. There's some noticeable, uh, notable bench mentions, I will say. Now, when we're talking about Benny Parker of the Park City Lions, one of the co-founders of this league, Talk about invested. This guy is fully invested, as can be seen by all the many recordings of the 24 draft picks that we had in the first two rounds of the Empire Dynasty League. He's suited up. He got up early. He had coffee. He was ready, but he was committed to the cause. And, geez, it added some uh, real entertainment to the league, I thought. And now he's a host of a podcast. So he just does it all. He's a real Andy Mar type operator. I would have thought if we're going to you know, compare the compare our three to the corner bar, I would have thought. Uh, strong, strong fireball consumer, this guy, especially on draft night. Very, very strong there. And he's a budding young wrestler on the rise, especially after consuming a few fireballs. What I will say about Ben is, if you're going to try and do a deal with this guy, make sure he's had a skinful beforehand because you could get anything off him. Hod, what do you think of his overall draft?
0: Well... <laughs> cool speaking of consuming i've just peered down to my great northern here and realized i'm drinking mid strengths so i'm sobering up here as we're doing the pod but <laughs> i'll uh, just before i dive into my impression of the park city lions the real reason this pod was delayed a couple of days and sorry to the listeners all around the world but Ben did ask for a couple of extra days just to prepare for the barrage that was coming his way. (laughs) So, um, While we're at it, uh, no, it's not going to be a barrage. We're all friends here. But I am interested to hear uh, your thoughts, Ben, because I've, I've just picked up a few little contradictions over the pod. So you touched on in the first episode when we were going through my team that my draft strategy was... Pretty much preset because I had Christian McCaffrey um, with the number one pick. Can I ask why not the same with Lamar?
2: Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say I've had a bit of a gutful being compared to bloody Andy Mar Are you kidding me? Out of uh, the corner bar there. Gee <laughs> I'm, Jeez, I'm Whiz. I'm Of course, you're paying.
1: Is Mick Malloy. So that leaves Pod, Andy Buddh's
2: got the rig of Mick Malloy going on at the moment with this lockdown. Uh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So no, I've had a know. I've had a gut being compared to bloody Andy Ma there. But no, I'll I'll say that uh in a pretty straightforward response there is Lamar is 23 years old. So I don't think that, that necessarily locked me into too much there and the QB. Is quite long term versus a running back, which has a shorter window of playing time. Uh, so that's my biggest difference there between the two. Cool. He's a running back, though, isn't he? Well, yeah, he is. Uh, but he can throw MVP. the ball too. So he's allowed to throw the ball as well. MVP.
0: Well, yeah, okay. Christian McCaffrey is twenty-four too, so not not too old there. But um, when is strategy? Uh, when did your strategy change? Um, Considering, or did it change, considering your first three picks are Lamar, Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper. Now, most of us would agree that's a pretty strong start. So where did it change from here?
2: Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a very solid point you make there. And then you could even argue that I followed it up with Baker Mayfield to start the fifth round off. So I've clearly gone for starting lineup players there. I, I went into the draft very... Uh, strong in the belief that I would walk away from the first two rounds with a quarterback and a running back. Um, I didn't expect it to be in that order. I kind of anticipated actually Lamar maybe to go pick four and then Zeke might've fallen into my lap at pick five, which I really would have strongly considered taking there. Uh, And then I would have looked for, I had the top of the second round. So I would have been looking at a Dak or a Kyler around there. So I was pretty comfortable going into that draft that that's how I'd walk away the first two rounds. Then in the third round, uh, Hod, you were pretty keen to trade up there. I wanted Godwin or I was happy to take him. Uh, I had a feeling that's who you were trading up for, but I also wasn't shattered moving back and getting an Amari Cooper there two picks later and getting a bit of draft capital as a result. So to be honest, after the Baker Mayfield pick is where you probably would say that I I swung a bit because I've taken three rookies in a row after that. Uh, I kind of, spent this whole draft just being quite fluid in what was happening, not only falling my way, but what other teams were doing and noticing teams like you, teams like Papa, teams like Jake, uh, Scoot. There's a few people come to an extent as well. We're going pretty heavy on the all in for this season. Um, taking older proven blokes very early. So much the same way that you say you were letting talent fall to you. I believe I was letting talent fall to me. So, Yes, Jerry Judy, you look at that and say he's a rookie. Uh, I believe he was the best available player at that spot and I wanted a wide receiver. I was very happy. I didn't want to take a Leonard Fournette, who to me is running towards the end of his career. He's just going to get absolutely worn out over the next two years. Who knows what he's going to be after that? Uh, So you look at a Robert Woods there as a wide receiver and absolutely gun. I would have been happy to take him there, but I, I think the upside of Jerry Judy is huge. And in fact... I've kind of gone off, and I'm glad you brought this up, Hod, because uh, I know that you and Keeney have brought up a few times on the pod that that rookie wide receivers um, they don't pan out in their rookie season, or very rarely do they pan out in their rookie season. And I I was interested by that philosophy or that thought because I've gone off and I've done some research. It's probably the the most research I've ever done for this podcast, but I'll just run you through because I think sometimes it's easy to say that rookie wide receivers don't pan out because usually about 20 to 30 get taken in the draft. um, And you're including a lot of the back end of the draft there in those numbers of whether they pan out or not. So I'm trying to compare apples with apples here. So I look at the 2020 rookie wide receiver draft class, 35 wide receivers taken in total. So it's a strong year, six of them in the first round, seven in the second round, a very, very elite wide receiver class. If you were to compare it to others to give you some, Other examples there, 2019 had 28, had two in the first round, seven in the second. In 2018, 33 in total, two in the first round, six in the second. So it's pretty rare to get six wide receivers drafted in the first round. The closest I could get to was 2014. I had to go all the way back to then. Um, 33 wide receivers, five in the first round, seven in the second. The most notable Uh, comparison I could come up with. So just some names in that first round that went in 2014, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Kelvin Benjamin. So you might look at that and say, yep, there's some absolute studs in there and there's some absolute busts in there. But I'm also like you Hod in that I look at this in two to three years at a time. And I also see players as a bit like stock. You pick up stock when it's low and you try and sell it when it's high You look at Calvin Benjamin, who's probably the most notable bust from that first round there, because he's not in the league anymore. Uh, He was the 28th wide receiver taken. So the 28th pick in the first round. He finished the 2014 fantasy season as the 17th ranked wide receiver. So he had an absolute stud rookie wide receiver season, in my opinion, for a bloke that was taken at the absolute ass end of the first round. Very similar to Brandon Ayuk, who was taken 25th, pick in the first round who I picked up then uh, so to me you would look at Kelvin Benjamin's value going into his second season and his stocks would have gone up if you were playing dynasty at that time so I'm kind of banking on the fact that yes I've got three rookie wide receivers uh, but I'm playing a bit of the stock market with them and I kind of think that any three of those blokes could go up and I'm looking at sort of what teams did uh-huh. Jalen Regor goes into an offense where Carson Wentz supported a countless amount of 500-yard receivers with some absolute poo talent running around on the park. So he gets a very good rookie that comes in there, fits their scheme well. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, they trade up to get him. We know that Shanahan likes to scheme players in especially blokes that can get yards after the catch which is what his wheelhouse is so I've kind of gone through I won't bore you with too many more wide receiver stats there but you know another comparison of wide receivers that were taken in the same part of the round Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore yes they finished about 20 to 30 in their rookie season but then the following season they finished 18th and 25th the wide receiver two numbers and they went in our dynasty startup draft as a third overall pick only two years down the track Our rookie wide receiver, you talk about uh, me maybe contradicting myself a little bit, Hod, but you took Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, in the sixth round in our startup draft. Only as a sophomore, he was the 25th pick in the first round. And I believe that the Ravens traded up very similar to a Brandon Ayuk there. So only one year down the track, he's the equivalent of a sixth round startup pick, uh, which is your Keenan Allens of the world and your Tyler Lockett's of the world. So in one year, you've kind of valued his talent on the rise. So I'm trying to play a bit of a stock market game here with my rookies. So there's my bit of insight into how I drafted.
0: Yeah. Um, no, that's great insight. And it's great to have some stats behind what we say. I know Keeney loves a stat. Um, yeah, I think Marcus Brand's tied with best offence in football or top three. So that's where his stock's risen. Um, Probably not even what I expected last year, but um, some may say that you were motivated to do some research after a few shots were fired in past pods. But um, yeah, it is interesting times. Um, It's probably the interesting time is COVID. That's the main variable here and, and the possible impact that that has on these stocks that you're expecting to rise. But Um, I'll continue on just the last point that uh, you seem to have drafted, you know, the strong starting starters at each position uh, early on. And then you turn to youth before picking senior players later in the draft again. Now to me, that's kind of similar to, how Tim drafted, which you were somewhat sceptical of in the last pod. So um, being unsure of the team strategy and direction. That, that was my last point. Anything to add on that?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a valid point and obviously very similar. I, I would say that I sprinkled in the veteran players. Uh, that was, I did a bit of Jeremy sprinkles in there. Uh, I grabbed Golden Tate in the 14th round. He's 32 years old. He's the first bloke I took over the age of 30. And then Alshon Jeffrey is the only other bloke who's 30 plus. And I took him in the 20th round. So I've kind of gone with, well, if Alshon Jeffrey gets healthy, he can maybe make a bit of coverage for those rookie picks who maybe take a bit of a slower start to the season if some of them do. So I've tried to balance my list there. Uh, And I agree that when I probably spoke about Tim's team, uh, it did look like there was a pivot in his draft, but if you actually look at his overall um, collection of players, that he's done a very similar type of thing. So I would agree with you on that one.
1: You did fail to mention that Marquise Brown, his QB's um Lamar Jackson. He's a good player. Um, speaking of Lamar, <laughs> um, Ben's first three picks for mine were absolute studs um, at each position, which we've kind of gone through. Lamar Jackson, he's a good player. Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper. So really strong at each of those three positions. Um, you spoke, Ben, about playing the stock game. I tend to agree um, as well. And if we treat these guys like assets, um, I think it's interesting to look at, I think a really good example for that that rookie strategy, you look at Nikhil Harry from last year. Now, he was one of the consensus top rookie wide receivers, A, out of college, but B, in a dynasty um, startup draft as well he had a shocking year in year one Yep. terrible and Tom Brady leaves I took him in the 10th round of this startup I, st- I still think his values there because we don't know there's so much uncertainty around these guys if he did have say an amazing rookie year say like AJ Brown then all of a sudden you're looking at a startup fourth round player Um. so whilst and I'll get to this in his weaknesses whilst there is some serious variance in what could happen to Ben's team Um, I think the fact that he's got some youth, and that's just my personal opinion, um, could be a strength as well.
0: So, yeah, the the strengths are obviously, we've touched on it plenty of times. Um, It's a huge asset. Sev Lev. And not only Lamar, but the quarterback depth behind. Um, You know, the jury's still out on Baker, but you talk about those assets and increasing. I think the quarterback holds um, their value pretty well and Baker's sure to bounce back. Uh, having an actual proper coach there to guide him this year. So, um, and then the, I think the biggest um, treasure, if you like, is the future draft picks. 2021, you have three firsts, three seconds, and then 2022, you also have two seconds to go with your normal first and third. So um, plenty of assets moving forward. And let's just hope for your sake that, the stock market doesn't crash due to COVID. Um, Let's move into the weaknesses. Yeah, for me, it's just, um, could you, could you, did you go too young? Um, Stockpiling too many wide receivers in the one draft class is possibly a risk for me, Um, perhaps diversifying that youth over multiple positions and then adding them, um, adding to them in future years as not all players hit in the one draft, which we sort of just spoke to. So, um, yeah, you had, you had a strategy. Um, you went with it after, you know, adding those starters early. Um, but for me, you know, we just have different strategies. For me, I would rather have a shot at the title over always having a bright future. So that's where we just went about it a different way. Yep.
1: yep. I won't add much more. Um, I've said, you know, it's a really high-variance approach. It's unlikely you're going to challenge this year. Um, so what I will ask instead is you had pick five, you took Lamar. How close were you to taking Zeke instead?
2: Um, it crossed my mind for a little bit. I just think that Lamar, I, I think Superflex, to me personally, down the track, we're, we're really going to see the difference that a Superflex leagues make, league makes. So if you can have one of the top-end elite QBs, then you'd kind of be silly not to. Um, not saying that Zeke isn't that, Um But I also think that the shelf life of a running back is quite different to a quarterback as well. So that's how I look at it. Um, Yeah, and I suppose, you know, I'll I'll be honest that the unknown, obviously, of my team with this youth has to be a weakness, has to absolutely be a weakness. There's so much variance that could go on there. Um, I've gone for youth and upside picks. I said I've played a bit of the stock market, as you said, Hod. Uh, It's not all success when you play the stock market. You can get burnt pretty badly doing it. So... Uh, To me, I personally kind of see this as, yeah, I probably haven't given myself a shot at this year's title, but I don't see a world where I'm not in contention for next year based off moves I can make this year. So, yep, I'm making a delayed start to my dynasty um, league, but I'm viewing it as we're here for a long time. Uh, We're in for the long haul. So why would I put all my eggs into this year's basket? Because clearly there were a few teams doing it and only one team can win. So I'll let those teams fight it out for this year and I'll build those assets and I'll hopefully gear myself for many years after this year.
0: I'm pretty sure we have it on the record that you thought only one team put all of their eggs in the basket for this year. And and that particular owner has not taken to that recording too nicely. Uh,
2: that particular owner didn't hear what I said. And that is, I think he is absolutely every chance in the world to win the title. My concern is that, has he gone too far? Has he lent? Has he gone too close to the fire, and could he get burnt years after? So almost the opposite of me, in a sense. Like he's he's gone so much in for this year, um, but I mean trades and everything can happen. I, I kind of like to think that there's a higher chance you can flip younger talent and upside than flipping older talent with downside and that's sort of I guess the two differing philosophies there in that I don't think it's going to be easy to just flip an older aging player in a dynasty league like it would be in a redraft league but that's where the unknown comes in and that's where the excitement of this league stands because there's so much unknown and that's why we're all sort of this keen that we've invested this much time in it and the season hasn't even bloody begun yet.
0: You definitely are the opposite to Papa. You're, you're more of a caresser, a gentle soul, and he's just a punisher of a man. <laughs> Division predictions. This is what everyone's been waiting for. Who takes out the title of year one in the yeah. EDL? I will kick us off, boys. Now, this, this for me is, it's a three-horse race, but two of the horses have... Uh, I think a better chance, um, but I've I've got Scooter taking this first year out and that's purely for me just the quarterback situation. I think Jake's team is as deep as anyone's and full of star talent at the top end for starters, but it's just the quarterback position that I think Scooter might get a bit, bit more value out of in year one. Uh, what do you think, Ben?
2: Yep. No, I think that's an absolutely valid point. I've gone with Jake um, purely just because of the depth that he's got. Um, And as I sort of pointed out earlier, his ability to trade and to maneuver and to shape his list. So yes, quarterback might be a weakness, but maybe he might identify pretty early and maybe he might pivot and and trade off an asset to bolster up another spot on his list. And I think he's just got enough players and enough talent to do it. So that's where I'm going with Jake. Keeney?
1: we. I thought I was going to be the only one to go scoot here. So there you go. I'm 100% with you, Hod, when you're saying your reasons. I couldn't agree more. I think um, a little bit of QB from Jake's point of view, but also I like Scoot's QBs a lot better. I'm high on Teddy Bridgewater as we've been through. Matt Stafford, I even like um, Ryan Fitzpatrick at the back end. I think he's going to start for the Dolphins. I think he's got some pretty nice early value. For him and I think he could definitely play him in the flex position if he gets a nice matchup. Um I like Scoot's team. I think he can win it year one.
0: You think you think Fitz is playing early? Who's got Tua?
1: Me, but that's fine. He's mate, Tua's my third QB. No issues. Let him develop on the taxi squad, mate. Just let him simmer. Let him sit there and just develop nicely. I like Tua. Do you want Tua?
0: <laughs> Two first <per Shratt>. rounds. <laughs> <Tua>. Live trading. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've made wages tonight. We won't make on-air trades at this Ode, point.
2: it hasn't got first round Ode's trades. Got hit, hit, yeah, exactly. Um, Fourth wages. Let's yeah. move on. Dark horse, shall we? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it has to be Jake. I think there's two teams clearly um, at the top end of this division. So whilst it may not be seen as much of a dark horse per se, um, I think if you, for me, I see dark horse as someone who's going to challenge the winner of the division. I think that's clearly Jake. For reasons we've stated a million times, he's very strong, very deep. I think it's going to be close between those two.
0: I, uh, I would I would challenge your definition of a dark horse there because I have Jake and Scoot neck and neck. I thought a dark horse was at odds. So I've got Manny there in that position. I think I think the jury's still out. You know, I'm I'm not for it, but it's I do like Matt Breida this year um, in the Dolphins' offense. I think he'll lead that. And if he's given the rock, he has that pass-catching prowess. So um, if a couple of those running backs hit with Marlon Mack and Breeder that can carry him, those wide receivers and quarterbacks could be able to take him the distance. Benny?
2: Yeah, well, I, I agree with you in that Keeney's definition of a dark horse is an interesting one. Yeah. Um... And this is an interesting division because there clearly seems to be almost like two tiers, and I seem to be sitting comfortably in the bottom tier by myself, hanging exactly. out there <laughs> with all my mates. Uh, so I've got Manny as my dark horse here, but you know what? I'm going to pivot live on the podcast. I'm giving myself the dark <laughs> horse. Oi! Stick it up, yeah. Get stuffed. <laughs> That's a true dark horse if there ever is one. If there's ever a team that's against all odds, has everyone just piling on, too young, you're too young, you know what, give me a world where Ray Gore turns out to be the Mike Evans of the world. Give me a world where Jerry Judy turns out to be Odell Beckham this season. Give me a world where Lamar repeats MVP and Baker rises up to the expectations that he was last year. You tell me that if all those things happen, that I'm not in with a serious chance, and I've got some trade assets in future picks to just offload and lean right into a winning season this year. I might surprise you all as a dark horse bolting away.
1: I think the listeners at home can really tell that we're not having coffee and we're onto the froffies tonight. That is ludicrous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've just we've just spent an hour listening to your crap about how you're going to be good in years to come, and then you? Do a pivot to that, Jesus Christ. And That's how my season the, might be. Just for the listeners, who who do you have as the loser of this division? Well, I've changed it. Agenda.
2: I just <laughs> changed it as we're talking. And Manny, sorry, sorry, mate, but your 0RB is going to give you 0 wins <laughs> for the season. Oh. Darius Geis, you put all your eggs into that piece of craps basket and he's really Ooh. paid you back by uh, being a horrible member of society. So bad luck, mate. Zero IBs. Marlon Mack will have a couple of games of relevance and then you're going to struggle with that position. Some might
0: say you've become Jermichael hasty on this pod.
2: Ooh, I like
1: him. All right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to announce my loser. You said Ben, there's two tiers. You're wrong. There's three tiers. <laughs> there's two at the top, one in the middle and you're at the bottom. Just on your own in that tier for mine. I think we know oh. why. Rookies, plenty of them, young, what I will say. He owns his own camos and Matty Max first rounder. That could be seriously high capital draft picks in the rookie draft. Holy moly. There's a world where that's a three in the top four. Anyway, moving on. Good luck, Ben. Hope it works out for you. you're going to need some luck.
0: Yeah, and it's fitting you brought the stock market in because I've, I've, I've ventured down the stock market recently. Uh, that is my hobby during this downtime and it's fitting that there's a global pandemic on and that's that's where I have uh, arrived at you losing this division because it's going to be a challenge. COVID presents challenges for these young guys. We'll, we'll see limited roles, we think um for years to come i think you're in great spot but for this year i'm going to have you down in that yeah. third for me
1: fair enough the covid city lions
2: covid the Ooh. covid city lions maybe well you said there's three tiers there's currently three tiers rolling down my cheek after those uh, loser predictions <laughs> there boys um but that's it for this week's pod Uh, It was a late one, probably too many beers in the process with those ludicrous predictions at the end there. But you know what, dark horse, no point sitting on the fence with your Jake pick. as a dark horse. Come on, mate. One of the most ludicrous things I've heard. Uh, So we will finish you up with the podcast for this week. Next week, uh, we've finished our division breakdowns here. So next week, we're looking uh, at the upcoming 2020-2021 season launch. A bit more of a deep dive into who we are, even though I feel like I probably said enough about me for this week. So maybe it might be about you two boys next week Uh, and how we got to this pod um, sort of starting up in the first place. A bit of a recap on the scoring rules, our season predictions uh, and really just anything else that comes to mind during the pod. Thanks, boys. It's been a good one.
0: I think no we'll, um, we'll also just add, we'll, uh, we'll probably recap each team um, just with a, a best pick, best value pick, worst pick. Um, just a little quick summary. We've already talked enough about your teams. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking we could almost get get the teams on and mm-hmm. just have a little bit of a five-minute air session to prove why we have no idea what we're talking about. I what like do you think? It. Would you have them on?
1: Yep, yeah, I reckon we need a writer reply from the fellow league members. I like that I idea.
2: I think it's fair. Absolutely, the writer fair. reply. Uh, so it's not just these three voices you hear all the time. So we look forward to those things coming up. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. All twelve of you listening in, and we look forward to uh, getting stuck into it next week. See you, boys. Yeah.